Welcome to the Living Your Dash podcast with Pastor Rick Hill, Senior Pastor of Grace Community Church in Rawls, New Mexico. I'm Marie Manning. What an honor it is to have you join us today. Our goal at Living Your Dash is to better help you connect the dots of discipleship so that you can find and fulfill God's purpose for your life. Let's join Rick and Sean with this week's podcast. Thank you, Marie, for introducing us. We appreciate you. You always do such a great job. Well, Rick, great message this past Sunday. Um, you know, you love to challenge us as a staff to read books. And, and one such book uh, is by Andy Andrews, uh, who touts himself uh, as a... Am I getting the name right? Andy Andrews? Yeah. Yeah. He, you, he wrote the book called The Little Things, and he touts himself as a professional noticer. Now, if you don't know what that means, I didn't either, and you have to read the book. But anyway, looking, he, he was looking in, in uh, one of his chapters, looking at the Battle of Waterloo, and he noticed that the worst victory that Napoleon, which is a strange way to put it, that he noticed the, the worst victory that Napoleon ever suffered, uh, meaning that he lost, because we all know that, that, uh, that he lost the battle at Waterloo. Uh, what's weird is that his cavalry defeated Wellington's cannons, but because of a simple inability to render the cannons inoperable, which was what? How did they do that? Yeah, a headless nail. They would drive a headless nail in there somehow. Yeah, because this way they couldn't put in the, the fuse uh, to do it. But the English got their cannons back, and they were able to turn them on the French. And, and it, it seems that it's a, it's a simple observance to, to little things very important things that can render the people of God's utility either powerful or impotent. What, what do you think about that? Yeah, isn't that a fascinating moment in history that a little headless nail could bring defeat mm-hmm. to, a, to a, a huge army? Just amazing. And yeah, I think the parallels to the Christian life are, are pretty astounding. Very often, the things that will sink a Christian and render them impotent spiritually, mm. it's the little things, uh, the, the little white lies. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's the uh, it, it padding expense accounts. Yeah. Just add a little bit here, a little bit there. Uh, taking office supplies. Yeah. You know, Sean, I, I thought of a great story, a true story a friend of mine told me. He runs a, a financial advisor company. Mm-hmm. And he, one of his employees came in one day and said, uh, yeah, here, here's some money for stamps. I had some personal um, mailings I need to do. And I, were out, I was out of my personal stamps. I used a couple of our business stamps. And so I'm, I'm reimbursing. And it was like, you know, 80 cents. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. And my friend said, oh, listen, don't worry about it. It's not worth it. And his employee said, no, 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 no. This is important for me. If I use a business stamp, I pay for it. Yeah. It's the little things. It's the little things because little sins have a way of maturing into yeah. big sins. Yeah, I, I was I remember uh, a pastor using the example of of how a boat that's not moored to the dock, it's it just slowly drifts away until finally you can't get that boat back unless you go for a swim. Yeah, and when you read the the book of Hebrews in your New Testament, Look for that theme of drifting, drifting. Mm. That's what the writer of Hebrews was was challenging that particular group of Christians to do is you have been slowly, slowly drifting. Come mm. back to the dock. Fascinating. Wow. wow, wow. And so that was the focus of your latest message. And by the way, if you haven't listened to Rick's message, make sure that you go to Roswell Grace. 
www.thinkingmusicgroup.com and click under watch, or you can just look at the uh, introductory material here on the podcast and I'll provide the link. But um, as, I, as I, I love this message because you talked about your latest kingdom secret, and that is in the area of productivity. Um, I, I think that there's a lot of sermon messages that, that talk about how to become more productive as a Christian, like, I don't know, time management or, or attitude. But this message to me was more overarching and, and gives kind of the why to the how and the what. Am I getting that right? You are. You are. It really does answer the why. Why do we do what we do? And of course, the parable we looked at was the the parable of the fig tree. Yeah. And you know, the, the message is really simple, that, that God plants us in the world and he expects fruit. He expects productivity from his people. The challenge... All the way, and we looked at we looked at Israel. We looked at the early church. We looked at our individual lives in this in the sermon. You always have to ask, okay, I'm I'm a I'm chosen by God. I'm a member of the chosen people of God. Why? Mm. Why did God choose me? Did He choose me because I'm such an outstanding person? <laughs> because I have great potential. Mm. Why did God choose me? And so often, Sean, we lean toward the privilege of being chosen. And we minimize the responsibility yeah. of being chosen. There is a huge responsibility to be fruitful and productive in God's kingdom. And that really comes back to what we talk a lot about in this podcast. And that is finding and fulfilling God's purpose for your life. Yeah. Yeah. I, I'm thinking of, uh, is it John ten ten where he said that the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy? And, and I think about that verse, how I think that... It's, it, I think Satan would love to steal our life, and he would love to steal our virtue. But sometimes I think he's okay. And, and I wonder if the screw tape letters were a lot like this. If he's okay with saying, you know what, if I can just steal your importance, just, uh, just think all your life, I just want to get by. I just, I just want to live life and, and not be really evil, but not entirely good but just kind of right in the middle. That's a lie from the devil, isn't it? Absolutely. It's like, you know, reading the back of your vitamin container where uh-huh. it says the minimum daily requirements. Yeah. <laughs> and so many Christians, what, okay, God, what is the minimum daily requirement that I need to meet in order to get to heaven? Yeah. So it's just, it's that fire insurance, you know? Yeah. I'm saved to, to avoid the fires of hell. Well, what are you doing with your life? I'm coasting. My goal is just to coast into heaven. Mm. What a what a sad way to live. And so I tell you what, what gripped me about this message, Rick, was was that you're telling us, look, that's not just an unwise thing to do. You are headed towards judgment. You're headed towards uh, accountability in your life. So the wise person, the secret of life, is seems to be look ahead and say, I'm going to be accountable for this. Absolutely, absolutely. And, you know, what? at the end of this parable, the the owner of the fig tree, he says, uh, it has not been productive in three years since I planted it. Cut it down. Huh. The manager kind of has to talk him out of it and say, okay, boss, I know it's not pr- Let's give it one more year. One more year. Yeah. But notice the end of the parable says, if there's no fruit, then we'll cut it down. Oh man, that's called accountability. Yeah, and say, so, you know, 
We don't like these parables. No. We like the lovey, (laughs) Jesus is forgiving, the meek and mild. We like those parables. These are the ones we like to read over, not read. Right. In fact, you said that there comes a time, and this is really for all of us, when we demand productivity. Uh, If I'm going to be looking at my my 401k or, or my retirement account, I'm going to be looking at what's productive. And why should we think that God is any different? And you told us that. God is no different. So this really is very different from the soothing, doting, grandfather God image that, that we really would like to have, isn't it? You know, Sean, I can speak to this now because <laughs> I'm not only a father, but I'm a grandfather. Yeah. It's true. Yeah. It's true. My grandkids can do no wrong. <laughs> now, my kids can still do wrong. Isn't that fascinating? Yeah. And so I just find it interesting that... Even in the Lord's Prayer, it doesn't say uh, our grandfather in heaven, hallowed mm-hmm. be your name. It says our father in heaven. Yeah. We must think of God not as our grandfather doting over us. Oh, my grandkids can do no wrong. And No, no. It's a father who deeply loves us but has good expectations. Not unreal. God doesn't have unrealistic expectations. He knows yeah. we're made of flesh. The Bible's clear yeah. about that. But God also knows we have great potential. And in every day we have to choose. Am I going to be productive or am I going to coast? Yeah. And there's the challenge. And this really, this is the real life. I, I On the one hand, I, I think that there may be some listeners that maybe their, their father image was was really harsh or it was, it was they, they abandoned them their dads abandoned them either emotionally physically or both and uh, and so they this might be a little difficult for them but they they still need to see that God is full of loving kindness the Bible says that his love is better than life itself he loves us so much spared no expense to rescue us but on the other hand we do have to realize as you were telling us this Sunday that, uh, that we are held accountable for our actions. Yeah, and, you know, we sing a song around here, You're a Good, Good Father. Yes. I love that song, You're a Good, Good Father. What does that mean? Well, it means He deeply, passionately loves us, and He has our best interest in mind. Yes. Which is, I want you to make a difference in your life. I want you to be successful and have a productive, fruitful life. Was it this message that, I'm trying, I may be mixing the things up, but was it this message that you talked about that there's like uh, two sides of a coin? Same coin. Was it this one? Well, we did talk about that. The, the, the privilege and responsibility. Yes. Uh-huh. That when you are called by God, great privilege. You know, Abraham gets called by God. And what was it? Man, I'm going to bless you, Abraham. You're going you're gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to bless your family. But then the responsibility side was, and you're going to be a blessing to all the nations. Yes. So it wasn't just... Oh, be a reservoir of my blessing and, and bottle it up and dam it up. No, be a, let it flow through you. Yes. And be a river. Be a river. You're going to be. You're going to receive blessing, but it doesn't just come to you. It goes through you as well. One of the things that I loved about this message also is that you you gave just some of the most important verses that a Christian needs to understand about Israel's covenant relationship or God's covenant relationship with Israel and also our new covenant relationship with God. So just looking at that, um, how God had this relationship with, with Israel and with us, 
you borrowed a phrase that we often say that translates well into God's prescribed purpose for us. If we don't use it, we'll lose it. So could, could you remind our listeners about the parable just a little bit more and why that action is so essential? Yeah, in the parable, the fig tree had, had every opportunity to produce figs, but it failed to produce figs, and that's why the elder said, cut it down. The manager kind of gives, let's put this fig tree on probation. Yeah. Let's give it one more year, one more shot. Well, we have to remember, Sean, Jesus is a, the original audience uh, are the Jewish people. He's right. talking to the Jews, and he's saying, hey, you're the fig tree. And God is the owner. And God is saying, uh, listen, I I expect fruit. And there comes a time where if you don't produce fruit, you're going to lose the opportunity. Use it or lose it. God gives you a great opportunity, great privilege, great responsibility. Use it. Now, if you don't use it, you lose it. One of the great themes in the Old Testament, you see the people of Israel as a whole will, will drop the ball. Yeah. Now the good news is God will always find a believing remnant, uh-huh. and I love the, that that golden thread of the remnant that yes. runs all the way through the Bible. Now, it, and it's that theme. Listen, if you don't get the job done, I'll find somebody who will. Yeah. And God, in His sovereignty, has a way of of finding that remnant that will carry on uh, the work of God. You know, I, I, I think about a lot of churches in, uh, in England and in the United States that there are these old, beautiful Gothic cathedrals and at one time thousands and thousands of people would come into these churches. And now there's only a handful, if they're lucky, but a lot of them have just simply closed up and become uh, museums yeah. uh, to take a look at the architecture. But not the architecture of the promises of God. You know, you don't have to go all the way to England. I remember reading several years ago, they were advertising a bus tour of the um, some of the old missions in El Paso and around the, the area of El Paso, Texas. Yeah. And the more I read, what they were doing is they were going to all of these missions but they were all museums. They were no longer active churches. Yeah. And I thought, isn't that sad? People will go to those churches and they will not receive the good news of Jesus Christ. They'll get trinkets at the gift store. Yeah. What a sad, sad case. I never want Grace Community Church to be a museum with a gift store. Can you imagine a snow globe? Of- oh. A model of Grace Lake Church. Yeah, you and I might be in the snow globe. You know, they shake it up and snow falls on us. Now, I we, don't think so. We, of course, know those are just the buildings. Then, and I think that, that that's, of course, the, the main thrust of it. it. It's the people. Who, who is holding the candle in their hearts of the mission of God, of the purpose of God? And it's the people. Uh, the buildings don't really matter that much. Uh, is it still happening in the city? But, um, you know, you kind of repeated that phrase over and over again. If you don't use it, you'll lose it. Um, because it seems like that, that seems to be a central theme of the Bible, that, that with great privilege comes a commensurate responsibility. Israel should have done it, 
the early church should have done it. I was just thinking about while you were preaching, I couldn't think about the, the, the churches in, in the book of the Revelation. How many of those churches exist now? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, the seven churches of Asia Minor. Yeah. You go now, what are they? Museums. Uh. They're, they're, they're places that the tourists stop yeah. and, and they take pictures yeah. if they don't go to the assembly. Now, one could say, again, one could say, well, part of it is in us. If the DNA is in you, it's in me. But it's they're not there anymore. And the present day church, you, I, I felt there was a warning that you were giving us. The present day church shouldn't forget this. I mean, had, I hate to even say this, but have you seen the axe at the root of the American church? Oh, well, I think so. And it, it, at one level, Sean, when I read the statistical data on how many churches close in America every month, I mean, it's, it's, I forget the number, but it's a large number of churches that close every single month. Part of me, it grieves me when I hear that, but at the other time, but on the other hand, I think maybe there's a pruning going on in America because churches that don't produce, Sean, you know this, it's just a matter of time. They'll eventually yeah. die. You know, you don't have to kill a church. It will die on its own if it if it fails to be fruitful and productive. Yeah. If they're not reaching the next generation, it's just a matter of time. Just a matter of time. We have churches in our community uh, that died just since I've been here. Yeah. They were they were alive. They had people coming, and those people began to look at the privilege, not the responsibility. They they failed to reach that next generation, and finally, one by one. The members died off. Yeah, yeah. Oh, it's very sad. Um, you know, you said something really alarming, um, that there is a limit to the patience of God. Uh, I, again, this this really flies in the face of, of um, uh, oh, the, the, this emotional, uh, uh, moldable God that we want to have in the United States. But l- let's say that we, we are sufficiently alarmed about our present condition with the axe at the root of the tree. What should my life look like in its attitude, its actions and behavior, and its aspirations? Yeah, I think you just hit on it, Sean, that we have to stop creating God in our own image. And when we create God in our own image, we form him to fit our needs, our selfish needs. And so to to answer your question, I'd say in in attitudes, very important that that Christians take serious the responsibility that we have. We are Christ ambassadors to a lost world. Mm. Sean, if we don't reach the lost world, who will? Yeah. The answer is no one. God has chosen us to, to, to step up to the plate and to get the job done, to be his ambassadors. We need to, that means with our actions and behaviors, we need to be producing fruit. Yeah. Uh, the fruit of the Holy Spirit, people in our in our neighborhoods, our jobs, our schools, they need to daily enjoy the refreshing fruit of the Holy Spirit mm. in our lives. Yeah. And again, isn't it amazing? We come full circle. It, it's all about your aspiration. What is your aspiration? It's got to be to find and fulfill God's purpose for my life. Mm. Why am I on planet <clears throat> Earth? And what does God want to accomplish in me and through me in my life. Now, once I get that done, hey, stick a fork in me. I'm done. I'm going to heaven. <laughs> but until then, Sean, I'm not here just to take up space and breathe up all the good air. Yeah. 
Yeah, this is not my air. This is not my time. This is the Lord's time. Um, you know, Rick, there there are a lot of churches here in Roswell, and maybe if people are listening uh, across the nation or across across the world even now, which is kind of interesting, but uh, they, they may be looking around and thinking, well, there's a lot of churches around me. Maybe, maybe I can put it into cruise control mode. Uh, what's the danger of, of doing that? Yeah, when you put it in cruise control, that's that coasting mentality. Yeah. I think the greatest danger is you you move from serving people to selfish living. Mm. Because if, if, you, if you're not fulfilling God's purpose, guess what you're going to drift into? Your purpose. Yeah. You know, hey, what do I want? You know, I want to meet the needs of my three favorite people, me, myself, and I. <laughs> and the minute we go that direction, Sean, when you coast, the default will always be meet my needs. Yeah. Instead of fulfilling the purposes of God. And that really is a great danger, something that we just don't appreciate. Um, you know, you, you listed a lot of great Bible verses, as I said, mentioned, as I mentioned before, and it just really systematically links to the great why. Um, why is God spending so much time placing so much, I don't know what else to call it, but trust in people um, who are so prone to failure? It's amazing how how much God is willing to risk. Yeah. Here he has this literally cosmic plan of reconciliation. Yeah. He created this planet. It bought the, the lie of Satan, rebelled against God, but instead of throwing up his hands and saying, well, forget that planet, I'll go do another one, God says, no, I'm going to redeem this. I'm going to reconcile the entire cosmos. Mm. And here's how I'm going to do it. I'm going to choose a group of people who put their faith in my son, Jesus Christ, and I'm going to use them to be the ambassadors to get the message of reconciliation out to the world. Now think about it, Sean. We are God's plan A to get the message of reconciliation to a lost world, and God doesn't have plan B. Mm. Plan B isn't, okay, I'll send the angels. No. Um, listen, when, when when God's people fail to get the job done, now God will find a remnant. He's going to get the job one way or another. But what a tragedy to miss out on the opportunity of being a part, Sean, being a part of God's cosmic plan of reconciliation. Yeah. That's pretty a cool thing to put on your resume. It's powerful. Yeah. It's powerful. And to, and to have that opportunity and say, no, I think I'll just be a coasting church member. I think I'll just show up and sit and observe and and not really be a participant, just be a spectator in the stands until Jesus comes. Oh boy. I don't like that. No, no. I you know, I, the, you just fill my heart with a with a well on on the one hand, uh, a lot of just great pride uh in in the sense that wow, God really loves me. God trusts me to be a part of this. But on the other hand, it frightens me to think, and by the way, there, there is no plan B. You're it. You're the point of the spear. You are the shaft. You are going to get this done. 
or it's not going to get done. Yeah, you think about the, the, the parable of the fig tree. You know, one more year, and then we're going to cut it down. This is like, Sean, you're in a basketball game. There's three seconds left on the clock. The score is tied, and the coach calls timeout and says, Sean, get the ball to Sean. Sean, I want you to take the shot. Uh-huh. Um, so the one time, you, it, it sends chills like, oh, my gosh, huge responsibility. What if I fail? Yeah. But the other side of the coin is, man, the coach had that much faith in me. Yeah. Sean, the coach, God, has great faith and great confidence in us. We just need to, to believe. Yeah. We need to believe that God can do impossible things through us. Wow. So if you're listening, the ball is going to get thrown to you. Three seconds left, and you're the clutch player. So Take the shot. Yeah, yeah. Rick, um, it makes me think of this French phrase. Uh, this concept reminds me of um, uh, the phrase is noblesse oblige, which means the obligation of the, the nobility, that nobility carries with it a responsibility of acting, behaving, and thinking nobly. When a church's attitudes, actions, and aspirations are aligned with God's purposes, how does that excite you as a pastor? Well, it excites me because that's when God's work on earth is done. Mm. It's when there's this alignment, when people understand I am nobility. I'm a child of the king. Mm. I'm, I'm not just here as a, you know accidental result of a cosmic explosion. Yeah. I'm here on purpose. I'm here for a purpose. So I get excited here at Grace when I see lives transformed when I see marriages and families saved that were just train wrecks and God puts them back together. And then when I see grace members go out into the community and they begin to impact little areas of the community could be impact the schools or impact business or impact local government. That's what excites me when I see God's people really understanding I'm here for a purpose and God will empower me to get the job done. Mm. I'm going to be a fruitful fig tree in God's kingdom. Wow. Exciting message. Exciting message. Rick, thanks so much. All right. Well, Rick, as you know, every week we have Rick's quote of the week. Hey, Sean, I think you're going to like this one. It's from Harvey Firestone. Harvey Firestone. Harvey Firestone. I believe he has something to do with tires. Yes. But he's also a great believer in leadership. And listen to this. This is for all the leaders in the audience. The growth and development of people is the highest calling of leadership. Oh. Now, here's why that's important. So many people think leadership is all about getting in control. Yeah. Man, if I can just become the, the leader then I'll do it my way, and everybody will bow to me. No, no. Once you, true leadership, true leadership is a high calling. And it really comes back to the fig tree yeah. of being productive. If I'm a leader, how, how do I show my productivity by the growth and development of the people under my leadership? Excellent. Wow. Excellent. Tie-in quote. All right. Rick, anything else going on here at Grace? Hey, this Sunday, Kingdom Secrets, we take the next step, and we're going to talk this Sunday about lost and found. Ah. How does God feel about lost people? I mean, lost people who are lonely, hurting, addicted, addictive lifestyles, abused. Hmm. How does God feel about those people? And then 
how does that influence the way we feel about lost people? Oh, amazing. Hey, we also have class 301, Discovering Ministry, ah. Sunday evening. And I love that class. We help people find how God uniquely shaped them for a ministry in the church. So uh, love to have people come. That's all right. That's right. If you've uh, gone through 101 through 201, You're this ready. is the next step. Don't miss it. All right. Rick, thanks so much for your time. Thanks for spending time with us today. We hope that you've been encouraged and better informed. We love to get feedback, so send us an email with your comments and suggestions to info at roswellgrace.com. If you like what we're doing here at Living Your Dash, please hit the subscribe button, leave us a review on your platform, and share this with your friends. For more information about Grace Community Church, please point your browser to roswellgrace.com. Until next time, I'm Marie, and this is Living Your Dash.